Hello and welcome to Mountain State Views. I'm your host, Stephen Allen Adams. I'm a state government reporter for all the newspapers in West Virginia. That's the Parkersburg News and Sentinel, the Wheeling Intelligencer and News Register, the Weirton Daily Times, the Intermountain and Elkins in the Journal in Martinsburg. And I'm happy to be with you here today. Sorry for intermittent podcasting, but of course we are covering the 2024 legislative session. And that's keeping me pretty busy uh, trying to cover all the committee meetings. But in between trying to do all this, uh, I've been working on a series on the Republican candidates for state auditor. Now, we will interview Mary Ann Grobuck Claytor, who is the Democratic candidate for state auditor. She's been a previous candidate for state auditor, uh, lost both times to current Republican state auditor J.B. McCuskey. But we will talk to her once we get past the primaries. But there are four Republicans running in the GOP primary for state auditor. These include former Nicholas County Delegate Caleb Hanna, House Majority Leader Eric Householder, State Senator Mark Hunt, and Jefferson County Commissioner Tricia Jackson. Now, I had hoped to have everybody interviewed by now, uh, but that hasn't really worked out. And, you know, schedules... Schedules are always hard during session. So what I'm going to do is do this in a two-part series. So this is part one of a two-part series on our Republican state auditor candidates. So you will hear today from House Majority Leader Eric Householder and Jefferson County Commissioner Trisha Jackson. So without further ado, here is part one in our series on the Republican state auditor candidates. County Commissioner of Jefferson County, Tricia Jackson, running for the Republican nomination for state auditor. Uh, can I call you Tricia? Is yes. that okay? Yes. Just make it easier. <laughs> Tricia, thank you for joining me here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming to Charleston. Uh, I know I've done that drive to the Eastern Panhandle, uh, so I know the drive to and from is, not, uh, uh, is, is long, and depending on the time of year, like right now when it's winter, uh, it can be a little treacherous. I did that during the last uh, real big snowstorm in December going to D.C. and went through that snowstorm right outside Frostburg. That was not fun. Well, fortunately, uh, we were blessed with a beautiful day. I know, because <laughs> once I got to the other side, it was wonderful weather But uh, on the way there. But no, so thank you so much for uh, joining me here in Charleston. So you're running for state auditor, and we are sitting down and talking with all the Republican state auditor mm-hmm. candidates uh, and talk to me a little bit uh, by, about why you're running. I know you're a first-term county commissioner. Um, and to be honest, that kind of puts you in an interesting role because the state auditor works really closely with cities and counties. So that gives you a perspective that none of your other uh, candidates really have in that regard. So what made you decide that you wanted to take this leap into this position? So when our current state auditor decided to move on to to other ventures, I thought it was a perfect opportunity to uh, take a look at the auditor's office. And um, yeah, you're right. I get to work closely with the state auditor's office, setting the levy, our budgets, tracking our funds, making sure we're uh, managing those funds appropriately. And um, so I thought it was a perfect opportunity. I am a first-term county commissioner. Um, I am in my third year. My term is not up until 2026. I'm still working very hard for the people of Jefferson County as a commissioner. Uh, but this opportunity presented itself, and I thought, you know, I know a lot about what's going on with the auditor's office, and I have some ideas on how to improve things, so why not? Well, let's get right into those ideas. Okay. I mean, it's 
most people don't realize just how big of an office it is. Now, I know when you think auditor, you think audits, you think government transparency, and you do do those things as well uh, in that office. But there's a lot of things that office does. And I know you've probably studied it and, and looked into it and have kind of really reviewed it. Uh, what would you say would be kind of, if, if you can run off maybe top three things that you kind of see as priorities for what you want to do if you were to get that nomination and get elected for state auditor. Yes, thank you. Um, well, I, I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with West Virginia checkbooks. Um, I spearheaded a campaign to bring it for the counties. It's called Project Mountaineer. Yes. To Jefferson County in October of, I believe that was 22. Um, I worked for several months to get that rolled out into Jefferson County because I do believe transparency and accountability is very important in any role of government. Um, some things I'd like to do with checkbooks, I would like to enhance that program, make it easier for the general public to use. Right now it's an online program. I'd like mm -hmm. to explore ways for people that maybe don't have access online to still be able to find out what's going on with their tax, the taxpayer money. Sure, yeah. Um, I think the biggest job of the auditor is to protect and defend the taxpayer's money and to be transparent with them and let them know how it's being used. Um, so I would like to enhance that program. And what I mean by that, can give you an example. Um, Jefferson County rolled it out. There is a um, line item. So if someone goes in and looks at, at Project Mountaineer, West Virginia Checkbooks, mm -hmm. under professional services, professional services is an all-encompassing bucket. Um, that's legal, that's CPA, it's a broad finance, category. very broad. So I'd like to make it more granular. I'd like people to be able to see exactly how much is being outsourced to legal um, if we don't have a county attorney, if um, how much is actually being used for PR, how much is actually being used for accounting services that's not being done within the county. So I'd like to make it more granular uh, and so people can drill down and find out exactly what it is um, that they're looking for. Sure. If I could jump in on that too sure. real quick. Um, uh, uh, I, I Obviously, I know J.B. McCuskey. I've covered the state auditor's office several times. And Really, it's um, one of those things where I, I provide occasional feedback on West Virginia Checkbook because mm -hmm. uh, it is wonderful. And, of course, we've never really had anything like it before. But sometimes it's really hard, uh, really hard to be able to search it sometimes. Sometimes it can be a little uh, not user-friendly sometimes. Uh, so not only having more kind of minute granular access to uh, spending, or you can break down those broad categories, mm -hmm. but certainly continuing to make it more user-friendly, not just for you know, the press, but for the public in general, because it's a great tool uh, for the public to use in order to, I mean, decide whether, say, a county commissioner is doing their job or Correct. not doing their job. Or the, you know, the state, the legislature is doing their job in, in sure. the appropriations and so forth. So yes, making it more granular and user-friendly. And like I said, I'd like to find a way that even folks that are not, there is generational gaps with technology. So even finding ways for folks that maybe aren't computer savvy or don't sure. know how to navigate that, how we can make sure that, that it's easier to access that information. Great, great. Um, secondly, I would like to open checkbooks up to any organization that receives taxpayer funding. Um, that's any organization. Um, I just brought this up at the commission meeting last week. We have a lot of ancillary organizations that come in and ask the county commission for money. They do presentations to us during budget uh, season. 
And um, I, what I mean by ancillary is you know, we have the development authority, we have Parks and Rec, we have uh, some nonprofits, some charities, libraries, and that sort of thing. And not that they all aren't important, but I like to prioritize services. Sure. Um, and so what I would like to do is any of those organizations that are asking for taxpayer funds is to be able to put their information on checkbooks mm -hmm. and so the taxpayers can see why they're asking for their funds to be used for their organization or why they're asking the county commission sure. to allocate funds and to justify why they need the funds and they're asking for taxpayers. To sure, that. absolutely. Especially right now where you still got some American rescue plan dollars out there. Correct. I think that's a good example of uh, uh, private organizations that are getting some of those dollars. Uh, I, I can speak for kind of local governments I've seen where those monies are out there but haven't even been spent yet. And there's a risk of that being clawed back uh, yes. as well. And, of course, there's always the potential for misuse altogether Correct. of those funds. So that would provide uh, some additional transparency in that regard. Absolutely. And so that brings me to my third um, thing that I would like to do is find more innovative ways to uh, continue to fight the fraud and the abuse. And I think if we can address one and two on my list sure. – um, and drill down and be more transparent with checkbooks, I think we have an opportunity to reduce that fraud and abuse of taxpayer monies and uh, let the taxpayers be more involved in what's going on with the funds that they're providing the government to use sure. in their best interest. Yeah, because we've seen some examples, and I think there was one here recently where the state auditor's office was uh, very involved with a uh, – I believe it was a firefighter, I've, I recall. I had the press release right in front of me, and I don't have it. But there, there's been a number of cases where, over the years where the state auditor's office has played a pretty pivotal role in their investigative part. Now, their law enforcement uh, powers are a little limited, but they've been able to work very, very well with county prosecutors on some of these cases and bring about cases that, in some cases, have uh, returned taxpayer dollars back to the taxpayer. Back to the taxpayers, yeah, and it's uh, it's very important. So again, I believe shedding some light on some of, of what the money's being used for and how it's being used, and to again to the organizations that are asking for these funds on behalf of the taxpayers is to justify why you need it and why we would uh, appropriate those funds or why those funds are being used. Sure. Um, and again, I know the auditor's office doesn't appropriate, so I'm speaking from a county commission standpoint because we do. Um, but nonetheless, is I believe if we shine some light on some of those things and make it easier for for uh, the taxpayers to see what's going on, that has the potential to reduce some of that fraud and abuse. Sure. And it's kind of interesting going into this cycle. We're going to have a new governor. Uh, and who, who knows who that's going to be? I covered that debate here uh, earlier this week. So uh, I can tell you that's already going to be a very, very boisterous campaign. Uh, but but still, I will I will I feel safe in saying this because I've covered the state auditor's office, mm -hmm. and I've covered the governor's office, that the relationship there is a little bit fraught, and most people don't stop to think that uh, while they provide transparency, they don't really tell the governor's office or the executive branch what to do in that regards. Um, I think one thing I would ask you would be trying to create a better relationship with whoever the next governor is, especially in regards to opening up those transparency issues and 
helping to create a more collaborative government? Because I do think sometimes that the auditor's office, for example, I think a good example of this was a report that they had put out on their own on, on COVID spending, which mm-hmm. was a very good report. Uh, I, I, I've heard third party uh, that the governor's office was not happy that state auditor's office did that. And they didn't have to do that. Um, but I, I will tell you as a reporter and for the public in general, that was a great useful tool to see where all this money was spent because sometimes it's hard, to, again, to track that through WB checkbook. But that was a great little process. So um, building a collaborative relationship, is that something that you hope to be able to do? Oh, absolutely. I am. I consider myself a problem solver. <laughs> so when I see something going on, I, I like to work with people and, and find a solution instead of, you know, running in circles. I like to try to find um, new ways or maybe collaborative ways to engage and work together. And uh, when I have ideas, I will take them to, to folks and say, let's figure out how to how to work on things. So a collaborative government, I believe, is very important as a county commissioner. Sure. It's important for me to work with our legislators and down here in Charleston. And I think it's equally important for that executive branch of government to work together um, and figure out how to come up with ways to to make it run as a fine oiled machine, if you will. Um, so I do believe in collaborative collaborative government. Outside those issues, I'll give you a couple of examples here. The state auditor's office has really taken the lead. Uh, for example, and I'm sure as a county commissioner, you're familiar with the work that they have done actually on uh, dealing with uh, properties that right. have fallen out of use and trying to find ways to get those properties back to being useful, not mm-hmm. being slights, and make them part of an economic development project. And not only that, but also keeping foreign actors from being able to buy those right. uh, elsewhere. That's one thing that they've done. Uh, I know J.B. McCuskey has been big on dealing with uh, elder fraud yes. and things of that nature. So there's other kind of things you can get into in that office. What, w- what would be some priorities or ideas that you would bring in regards to uh, the state auditor's office in that regard? Well, um, so I do believe in in uh, a lot of, I think JB's done a, a phenomenal job in, in that office. Um, I do believe in in trying to figure out what to do with some of these, um, and, um, this land and, and figuring out how we can make it useful. Um, and again, trying to keep the, the foreign um, actors out. Mm-hmm. Um, when if I go back to... Um, I was just thinking because I, I skipped this thought when we were talking about collaborative oh, government, if please. you don't mind. Sure. Um, so we have the ARPA yes. funds, right? But most recently have the opiate settlement. Right. So yes. um, that would be something that I would like to see the auditor's office be involved in with tracking and how those funds are dispersed and used sure. um, as well. So. Um, good, good, good for mentioning that because I know the state auditor's office did just recently team up with the Attorney General's yes. office on that. Not just, obviously, you know, the West Virginia First Foundation funds, which are a little bit separate, but I mean, and as you already know, counties and cities have gotten so much money, and there really is a kind of a question about where it's going to go. Is it going to go for dealing with these issues of substance abuse in our communities mm-hmm. to try to not only kind of deal with the problem, but also prevent the next problem. Uh, we're already seeing an alpha xylazine and things of that nature. So, yes. um, but also just kind of making sure it's not 
just generally spent willy-nilly because I know some counties and I know the regional jail bills are an issue, but yes. I've heard some counties want to be able to use it for that. Is that, and I'm, I'm not making an opinion here, but is that an appropriate use or not an appropriate use for that money? It's questions that all have to be figured out, but I think the state auditor's office right. and the attorney general's office kind of looking at monitoring that stuff can answer some of those questions. Correct. And I, we, I was just down for the County Commission Association meeting a couple weeks ago, and um, we actually had the presentation. So most of the counties have the information on uh, the parameters set around the use of those funds. Um, and I believe the West Virginia First Foundation is a private it is. nonprofit. So it's trying to bring them into the fold, even though it's a private mm -hmm. nonprofit organization, is um, trying to bring them into the fold because I do think people want to see what, what is actively being done for addressing the abuse and providing those services. Sure. But I'm a firm believer in trying to prevent yes. uh, some of this stuff. And um, so I think it's very important that we have those collaborative roles and that we're um, showing and working together on how we're going to use all these funds. Sure. Uh, is there anything that you would like to bring up that I didn't ask you about? Um, I, I don't think so, other than, um, you know, I do believe the most important job of the state auditor's office is to be a defender and a watchdog for taxpayer money and find every way possible to bring the taxpayers into the mix to, for transparency and accountability on how they use their fund. And um, other than that, I would say vote for Jackson on <laughs> May 14th, 2024. Very good. Jefferson County Commissioner Tricia Jackson running for the Republican nomination for state auditor. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much, House Majority Leader Eric Householder, for joining me today. Householder is a candidate, Republican candidate, for state auditor here in West Virginia, one of four now as we head into this primary season. Uh, I'm going to I did this for the other. Can I just call you Eric for the purposes Absolutely, of this interview? Yes. Perfect, because it just makes it easier. Right. I'm a big I, look. I'm I'm a big titles guy, but right, right, right. but uh, I'll just call you Eric. Thank you for joining me today. Quite welcome. I know things are really busy with the session, and obviously, as majority leader, you work very hard on, uh, in essence, kind of being a traffic cop to some extent. Uh, what bills are coming in? What bills are going? Uh, what goes on active and active and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but that, obviously, we're in campaign season. So how how is it campaigning right now while also uh, still doing your main job of being uh, Actually, I've got three duties. Not only am I handling the majority leader's role, but I'm also handling any work requirements that I have back home. And then I try to use every evening as an opportunity to campaign around the state. So I'm going out to Republican clubs. I'm having meeting greets. I'm having fundraisers almost every night. So it's Pretty challenging, pretty demanding. People ask me, how do you do it? And um, it just, I'm motivated to do this because, you know, I've told people time and time again, I'm running on a record of results and not rhetoric. And um, I think it's time for me. I've been in the House currently now. for I'm in my 14th year, mm -hmm. seven terms. So uh, I'm excited about it. Well, let's dive into that a little bit further. Um so obviously it's a big decision to run for office and and, and, and for the listeners too, as you just pointed out, yeah. you do have a full-time job uh, on top of this. It's right. a part-time legislature. So um, why, like you kind of dived into it a little bit, but just mm -hmm. a little bit further, why did you decide to go ahead and, and take on this particular job? And you're not only that, but filling the big shoes of uh, current state auditor J.B. McCuskey, sure, who's sure. Uh, been in there for a couple of terms. Yeah. For your listeners and, and those who are around the state, 
they know, if anything that you know about me, I've been about transparency and accountability. I'm, I'm all about taxpayers first. That's been my platform ever since I've been down here. So why do I want to do it? I believe now is the time to end fraud and corruption in West Virginia. That's my message that I'm taking to the citizens each and every time that I'm standing up before them. And I cite examples. There's plenty of examples. But before I get into the examples, we all know that fraud and corruption siphons away valuable taxpayer dollars from our roads, from our schools, from our seniors and veterans programs. But not only that, fraud and corruption erodes the public's trust in government, and it is happening across all levels of government. Sure. And I try to explain to taxpayers they should be mad because it is theft of their money. So a few examples, as I mentioned. Recently, we saw where a DHHR official was indicted for approving $34 million in COVID-19 payments and didn't even review a single invoice. In Berkeley County, where I live, there was a, uh, an assistant deputy clerk was found guilty of embezzling over $300,000 of our money. And then in Logan County, a volunteer fire department a chief and his son was found guilty of embezzling over $55,000. And the list goes on and on and on. So those are the reasons, you know, it's, it's all about taxpayers first, and that's why I'm running. Very good. Well, let's go into that a little bit, because yeah. obviously there's been a lot of work done by the current state auditor. Yes. In regards to, uh, A, prosecuting cases and investigating cases, right. but also proactively working with counties, local governments, getting them on the WV checkbook, right, and right. Pr- helping to provide uh, greater transparency and access to tools that these counties and local governments can better use to manage their funds and catch a lot of this before it becomes that $300,000 embezzlement and that sort of thing. So what are your plans in regards to continuing that work with counties and local governments? Because that is primarily what the state auditor's office really kind of focuses on, PCAR expenses, things of that nature. How do you continue that? Well, I've said time and time again that counties are the lifeblood of our state's economy. You know, we have county officials that are out there making their communities They're dedicated, working every day. They're putting in the hours uh, to make their communities better. So as auditor, my role would be to be a partner with them, to listen, to uh, try to help them whatever their priorities are. But if you're asking me specifically what things that I would like to do uh, within the auditor's office, well, number one is transparency. I would like to make transparency a top priority to provide clear and accessible information to the public. And by doing so, I've mentioned at several different uh, events that I've been out, not only provide uh, accessible accessible information, but also provide a waste report to show where dollars could be wasted uh, in West Virginia. Number two, I I feel that another role that I should be doing is to safeguard the taxpayer dollars by rigorously auditing government spending. I've said time and time again, Now is the time to audit all agencies in state government because it's your money and you deserve accountability, Stephen. And then obviously root out fraud and corruption. That's the three pillars that I want to do if I'm your next auditor. Very good. Well, let's talk about that for a moment because I know to some extent I feel like there's been, I don't want to say a hostile relationship, but uh, I know – one of the reports that the auditor's office put out here in the last couple of years is a really extensive report, really good report on COVID-19 spending. Yes. Uh, taking a look at primarily 
state government uh, right. spending during that uh, from the various uh, federal line items, uh, billions of dollars that came right, to the state. Right. Um, I know that kind of ruffled some feathers at the time. I know it's still being kind of used occasionally by people such as uh, Senate Finance Committee Chairman uh, Eric Tarr. Right. Um, but you would like to kind of see, as you just talked about one of your planks there, kind of more of that sort of thing to really kind of provide a tool um, not only you wanting to do that, but what type of – of course, we don't know who the next governor will be, but what type of relationship would you build with the governor, state agencies, and departments in regards to, again, not only trying to provide that transparency, but even working with uh, state government uh, to, to provide that? And I'm glad you asked me that because I have thought about this. And, and uh, for your listeners and for those who is going to be reading this um, – you know, we've done such a great job, the Republicans, in these current constitutional roles that we have. And I ask myself, what is that next level? You know, do we improve upon where we're at today? And the answer is yes. You, you still maintain what we're doing as far as transparency. But where do we go next? And I think now more than ever, as you mentioned, some of these COVID-19 payments and ARPA funds, the auditor needs to play a clear role in assisting these counties and municipalities every opportunity that they can get to help these municipalities and counties. Remember, I want to be a great partner. I want to be there for them when they need help. Each area, different regions, they all have their own unique ideas, mm -hmm. and I just want to be there to be able to help them. Related to that, counties are in cities are now starting to get payouts from the most recent yes. uh, nearly $1 billion opioid right, settlement right. that was negotiated. And we've got the West Virginia First Foundation that obviously is right. getting a certain chunk of that money. So there's a lot of money that's going to be distributed um, over the next year, couple right. years. Uh, some of it to be used for, you know, trying to deal with the, uh, the, the, the sort of the, the scourge left over from yes. – the opioid epidemic, of course, it's now kind of transitioning into the next thing like a xylophil and, right. and things of that nature. So it's already kind of transitioning to some extent. But some counties also have talked about trying to use it for things such as their regional jail bills or, or other needs. Now, I know State Auditor McCuskey, uh, Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, recently I think partnered in order to work on trying to provide some guidance uh, to local governments and right. how to best distribute those funds. So, right. But the next auditor is really going to be the one that deals with that a little bit, and that could be you or whoever. Right. Right. So uh, talk a little bit about what your thoughts are on dealing with that next big yeah, pot of money. With, without a doubt, obviously, the opioid problem in West Virginia just it created dev devastation across our, our state. Uh, so we're at the opportunity now where we have, obviously, this large sum of money that you talked about that uh, needs to make sure that there's complete transparency of how that money's going to be spent. Uh, I, I, like you, have heard several different ways, not only from treatment and recovery, which should be the top two pillars, but also I've heard law enforcement and so forth. But uh, no, I think as an auditor, as your next state auditor, uh, there will be transparency. It will probably already be on checkbook.gov before I even get there, okay? Very good. Um, there's a few things that the office has done the last couple of years that are a little unrelated to its core job functions, but are still kind of important. I know a big thing for State Auditor McCuskey was helping counties, local governments 
try to find ways to deal with these dilapidated properties right, right. around the state and find ways to try to get those, you know, into the hands of responsible taxpayers or right. even governments if necessary uh, to try to get those taken care of, reuse them for possible residential or uh, business purposes, things of that nature. That's a big thing for him. Um is that something that you would continue to do? Do you have some other things beyond, obviously, uh, what you want to do with transparency and corruption uh, for that office? Where Where do you go? No, I still say it's it's big for these communities. Uh, but I will have to say, uh, years ago, when I was your finance chairman, uh, this pot of money that's being used for dilapidated buildings, uh, I actually was trying to use it for solid waste authority. And once the cat was out of the bag, so to speak, this was how we were able to use the money to fund this dilapidated building program. But no, I'm supportive of it. It's going to create more green space, new development for some of these towns and communities, and that's a win for those citizens. Again, you focus a lot on transparency on the yes. corruption angle, but the office does have a lot of roles. I mean, the most people don't realize that, in essence, it is the state version of the SEC and right. uh, uh, involved with uh, security and exchange and, and things of that nature. But it's kind of yeah. it's it's a bigger bureaucracy than what, what you think. So obviously, going in there. Um, are you going to take a look at the functions of the office, see what the office should be doing, maybe should not be doing, and try to kind of manage that in some way? That's a great question because I find when I talk to people, a lot of people really don't understand the role of what the auditor does. But I will tell you this, this the auditor probably, the auditor's agency touches everyone's lives more so than what they realize. For instance, if you get yourself in problems and you don't pay your property taxes, you're going to be dealing with the auditor. Yeah. Uh, if you get, if you're a senior and you're getting scammed on something, uh, or your 401k, you're getting scammed, or or a timeshare scam, you're going to be dealing with the auditor. So your lives will touch the auditor's office, except for obviously tax when you pay your taxes right. every year. But of all the state agencies, um, you're you're you know you're you're dealing with the auditor more so than what most people even realize now. All right. Well. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that you would like to raise something to bring up here? Yeah, absolutely. I just want our citizens to know that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I do have a, I'm running on the record of results. I do have a wealth of experience in financial management and accounting. I'm currently your majority leader in the West Virginia House. I was the uh, House Finance Chairman for over four years. And I think it's important to point out to people that I've led the way with conservative policies that have played a key part, I feel, in moving West Virginia forward. For example, uh, when I was your House Finance Chairman, I was able to eliminate a lot of the out-of-control spending throughout the entire budget process that saved, a, that saved you millions of dollars from tax increases. Uh, I was one of the key architects of the flat-line budget, the record budget surpluses, and your record-breaking tax cuts of over $800 million and we put ourselves on a path to eliminate the personal income tax in West Virginia. Uh, number three, one of the things that I did, I've sponsored and co-sponsored every NRA bill in the West Virginia House. I just want people to know that I'm a conservative leader. I'm a proven watchdog of the taxpayer's money. And I want people to say and remember a householder until it becomes a household name. And I would appreciate your support on May 14th. Very good. So, uh, House Majority Leader 
Eric Householder running for the Republican nomination for State Auditor of West Virginia. Thank you for joining me. Special thanks to House Majority Leader Eric Householder and Jefferson County Commissioner Tricia Jackson for joining me. We will bring you part two, hopefully next week, but hopefully very soon. That will include former Delegate Caleb Hanna and State Senator Mark Hunt. So be on the lookout for that article and that podcast. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining me here on Mountain State Views. Special thanks to Ogden Newspapers for providing me the support in order to be able to do this and bring you this kind of unique way to hear some of these candidates. I'm your host, Stephen Allen Adams. Enjoy the view.